This is Our Legacy, changing what it means to be blind in New South Wales and the ACT. And as those who are involved in causing and promoting change know, it's not easy, and it often comes at a cost to the change agents. Hello, I'm Angela Caterns, and in this podcast series, you'll hear the voices and stories of people who are blind or vision impaired, and how they've changed what it means to be blind in New South Wales and the ACT. You'll hear about their lives, about the importance of mentoring and peer support, about the places that meant so much to them, and about some of the campaigns for change on which they worked. You'll hear memories from the 1950s to the early 2000s, from some of the men and women who simply wanted to make things better. Episode 5, Has Life Improved? Because the winds are change remember uh, we did a, a big forum of uh, to get people's feedback on public transport and wrote up a report and I had a bit of a look at that report a few months ago and thought my goodness you know there's some things that haven't changed even today we still for example don't have adequate announcements on trains um, they're certainly not adequate on buses if they're there at all um, there are still issues with with taxis and I just looked at it and I thought oh you know the more things change the more they stay the same. We've got some way to go in terms of changing attitudes. Um, blind people are significantly more under and unemployed than people um, in the general community so we've got work to do there. To me there's always been what I call insidious discrimination that goes on and you'll still get people who they're either too afraid to employ blind people. Um, I've just heard some young blind people say that it's very difficult to get employment these days. And particularly if you're middle-aged, it's even worse to get employment. I think employment's very important. Um, at one stage, I remember, and I'm not sure if this has been completely uh, abandoned or not, they used to have a, an employment registry and they used to, um, people used to be able to get in touch. I remember someone wanted to be a teacher. Now, from that employment registry, they found out that I was a, a teacher and we got, you know, paired up and um, I hope I was able to give some good advice. We uh, heard here in Australia that uh, there was a, a move to introduce blinding laser weapons as a weapon of, uh, of war. Michael Simpson was president of BCA in the 1990s. In that role, and as a long-time employee of Royal Blind Society, which became Vision Australia, he's been a strong advocate for people who are blind or vision impaired for all of his adult life. In 1996, he was part of Australia's delegation to the World Blind Union Conference in Toronto. Through NFBCA, we worked with the World Blind Union to take this issue up at an international level. World Blind Union worked with Red Cross International, and uh, both of those organisations lobbied the United Nations, and at a weapons protocol uh, summit, uh, blinding laser weapons were in fact banned as a weapon of war. 
we now have to work with the Australian government to get the Australian government to ratify that agreement because uh, through the United Nations, any protocol, such as uh, a banning on weapons, has to be ratified by 20 member countries uh, to in fact be evoked as a ban. Many of our members will uh, remember that recently we issued uh, an information cassette on the introduction of the new $100 note. Uh, this was a project that we ran in conjunction with the Reserve Bank and um, the Reserve Bank of course did support NFPCA in the, in the production of the Cash Test Australia and uh, both with the introduction of the $50 note and the introduction of the $100 note they have supported us to provide information to people who may not have otherwise been able to, to access it. Soon we'll be um, providing information on the uh, forthcoming census so that uh, our members and blind and vision impaired uh, people throughout Australia will have access to the print information that all other people in the community will have. Sometimes, uh, though it shouldn't, technology actually excludes us. There's a bit of a conundrum at times whereby people think oh you've got this technology you we don't need to do any more as far as access to things when that often well that just isn't true Ac accessibility f for people that have disabilities usually improves access for everyone so that doesn't cut it technology has made a huge difference in our lives we now have iPhones which um, do so many things for us that uh, that uh, didn't happen even even 10 years ago so I think the technological change has been huge just having to be so alert for other people who are who are not um, necessarily looking at the surroundings or aware of what's around them and that's partly in due to the fact of looking at screens whether it be phones or tablets or electronic books etc and often there'll be a person walking along looking at a screen and they don't see you a lot depends on people's own attitudes you know whether they're willing to, to try different things and whether they're willing to step out of their own comfort zones and, and, and try new things. But, yeah, technology, if you can afford it, that's another a little drawback. But uh, I think uh, technology can really help you to do a lot of stuff now. Even at Macquarie when I was studying, I'd have my own little portable typewriter and, of course, I couldn't read back what I was writing until we got the Opticon, which is a beautiful machine, which they don't make anymore. But, uh, you know, you just keep trying and interact with people and find out. In 1999, Sean Murphy was responsible for the formation of the BCA Blind Computer Users Group. He and his sister Margaret both took part in many BCA and association activities. The main focus of the group is to try and get people who have a interest in computers or technology to get together and discuss problems, find solutions and anything else they're interested in in a peer-to-peer um, uh, -peer type group and so they can network together, they can, we can hold workshops to talk about certain topics, um, we can gather information on that topic together so we, we can give to all the members and anything else that is necessary to you know, improve people's knowledge of our computers, technology, so they basically empower themselves to be able to use their, the different equipment that's out there far better than they probably might be using it now or you know, just to expand their knowledge. Um, however, we do have some examples of where um, 
poor attitude still persists. There has been an attitude change. I think attitudes towards people who are blind or vision impaired are better now than they were, but we've still got a long way to go. There's a whole lot of negative assumptions that still get made um, about us and uh, about what we won't be able to do. Uh, the number of times that I walk into shops and uh, I have people um, talking to me uh, more loudly because they think I can't hear them, uh, or, or even worse, I think, um, talking to the person that I'm with. I think terrorism in some ways has brought people closer together, in other ways it's made people more stressed or more sort of agitated in some circumstances. And things like when you're trying to go into a venue, it can be quite a arduous process through security and then if security don't know how to, to communicate with someone verbally, it can be quite difficult. It can be a challenge. Like you might know the person's there wanting to look in your bag if they don't say anything, So, and that's happened. We need to be constantly um, looking at making sure that our transport systems meet accessibility needs, um, that we are able to have things like audio description on television. That's an ongoing battle, and I think that will go on into the future, sadly. We still have many issues which affect us as blind people in matters which are disproportionate to, um, to the way they affect sighted people. An example of the issues which uh, BJ is dealing with very well and um, is the issue of audio description on television. Australia is one of the few countries in, in the developed, uh, among developed nations which does not have an audio description service for its mainstream television service. Technology revolutionised how blind people function. In, in their own homes, in their workplaces and in the community. Uh, but I think employment, we've still got a fair way to go. There's a lot of underemployment and there's still a lot of unemployment among people with vision impairments uh, due to persistent um, negative attitudes about the capacities of people with vision impairments and blindness. In some quarters, there, there is a belief that Braille may not be needed. Um, when really it is, it's essential. And, and because technology is there, it should complement Braille and utilise it and not replace it. There are other things which BCA is doing which are very important, um, such as a campaign for a secret, independent and verifiable vote. This is an issue which I was um, very pleased to be part of. And in Canberra, Canberra was the first jurisdiction to institute an electronic system to give people a secret, independent and verifiable vote. The new uh, telemachines that the Commonwealth Bank have introduced, um, a person who's blind or vision impaired can't use because the touch screen doesn't provide feedback that's available to us, either through speech or, or, or some other form. We used to be able to use the FPOS machines with the standard keypad buttons on them, but they don't have that anymore. So if technology's not appropriately designed, it can be excluding as well as really including. Michael Simpson appeared on a Soundabout episode in 1998 to talk about the advocacy work by BCA and the association to ensure access to the Sydney Olympics for people who are blind or vision impaired. I know that uh, blind and vision impaired people are, are well represented because Naomi Clark uh, represents our Sydney branch on the uh, Olympic Access Committee, uh, the Disability Access Committee of the, of the um, uh, Olympics Access Committee. And uh, through her, there have been a number of uh, uh, issues 
brought up things like um, uh, the use of tactile ground surface indicators or what we often refer to as tactile tiles, signage, lighting, uh, access to materials in, in alternative formats. Royal Blind Society, which is um, uh, working in New South Wales and the ACT primarily, also uh, through Carroll Island, the Director of, um, of uh, Rehabilitation Services, uh, also sits on that, on that committee. And um, uh, Lynn Davis, uh, many of our members will know as the editor of Blind Citizens News and a member of NFBCA's uh, uh, National Council, uh, represents the Disability Council of New South Wales. So blind people are, are well represented on that, uh, on that committee. Bruce Maguire, a long-term advocate and association and BCA member, was not impressed when he discovered that the Sydney Olympics ticketing book was not available in Braille. When we had the uh, the, the Olympic Games in Sydney, uh, my kids were you know my kids were young. My daughter, my daughter was uh, five, and 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 my son was uh, eight, and it was a huge you know it was a huge event in Sydney, and and the games the Olympic Games were promoted as the games for all Australians. And I, it was really important for me that, that we be able to share that event as a family. And part of that meant, you know, booking tickets and, and knowing what was, knowing what events were, were on and where they were on and all that sort of thing. So I um, asked the Sydney Organising Committee of the Olympic Games, SOCOG, uh, if they would provide a Braille version of the uh, official uh, ticket book for the Olympics and also a braille version of the souvenir program and they refused to do either of those things and then it um, became clear that the website that was going to provide all of the online information about the Olympic Games was um, not going to be uh, accessible. So SOCOG simply refused to to, to budge on that one so I lodged a disability discrimination uh, complaint and... Um, as a result, I mean, I I won that complaint. Although SOCOG, the only thing that SOCOG did was to eventually, after the after the Olympic Games, provide a braille version of the of the uh, uh, souvenir souvenir program, and basically, it meant that for me, as a as a blind person and uh, as as a blind father, um, the games were much less of a of a you know much less an enjoyable experience than they would otherwise have been although we still were able to you know in, in, enjoy them i think that that really brought home for me just just what barriers we have to face and the fact that the, there was the the provision of a braille version of the ticket book and making the website accessible were not technology problems the reason they weren't done is because SOCOG decided they weren't going to do it for for whatever you know for whatever reason. So there were people problems, and they needed to have people solutions, not technology solutions. New South Wales was always very strong on Braille um, and the development of Braille uh, material. Uh, we had people like Joan Lederman, who was a, a real pioneer in uh, getting Braille uh, accepted more in the agencies and in society. Um, they they were very strong on literacy, um, the, the um, library systems, they were big advocates in that area. I think they actually had a Braille library in Shirley House, a limited one, but yeah. uh, it was there. Uh, and they taught Braille, um, they had a lot there. Look, I think... 
are changing, but I don't think they're changing at the rate that one might have expected, given that we have the United Nations Convention and the Disability Discrimination Act and the various state anti-discrimination acts. I think what has changed more is back when I first started being involved with Blind Citizens Australia and, and advocacy in blindness and vision impairment, we were advocating for what we needed. Now we're actually advocating for what we have a right to have. We do need a voice like BCA that is independent of government and it's independent of the blindness service agencies to, to speak up on our behalf. Due to society being often more complicated or just um, things changing all the time, it's, it's more important than ever to be able to connect, understand what other people are doing, exchange information, um, seek assistance if you need it or, or advocacy for particular issues for, and to be able to keep awareness at the forefront of accessibility things, I think it's more important than ever. I think, if anything, it's an organisation that will keep revitalising and reinventing itself as it has and, and continues. It's, I think it's very important. I think it's essential that we uh, do have an independent consumer voice uh, uh, to uh, advocate on our behalf in relation to a number of issues. Provided that young people uh, are interested because if you're not having younger people coming up through the ranks you're not going to be able to continue or we're not going to be able to continue having um, blindness organisations in, in, in buildings or in offices or, or such you know it'll all end up being on um, online or computer or whatever and that kind of won't work all together but it's still good. organisations to get in there and keep on uh, advocating, bringing things forward all the time, there wouldn't be, advances wouldn't be made because I think it actually is uh, blind people themselves who have to assert uh, what our problems are and how we think they should be dealt with and press on for ways to do that. 
and uh, if we don't have our, our um, organisations and our individual and uh, group advocacy, I, I don't think we can really get anywhere much. And and you think at times, well, uh, all these various things have been achieved, but then changes happen and we have to look at things in a different way or we have to advocate for things that we thought we ne would never have to advocate for. I think it is still has the role of being the voice, a little bit like unions in, in the workplace, the, the voice of, of people who are blind or vision impaired. And I think if we lost that voice, we'd certainly feel it. This podcast featured the voices and stories of Susan Thompson, Graham Innes, Sandy Dark, Roz Sackley, Jennifer Parry, Sondra Wibberley, Robert Altamore, Lynn McGregor, Murray Shang, Sean Murphy, Michael Simpson and Bruce Maguire. It was produced by Angela Caterns and edited by Damon Sutton for Blind Citizens Australia. Theme song by Emma Benison. Being blind can create challenges because of the way other people react to it. People who are blind do not need or welcome pity. They may appreciate help at certain times and under certain circumstances, but their lives are as varied as any other people's. They are the same, only different. Because the winds are changeable.